Electronic Specifier. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast from Electronic Specifier Insights. As the COVID-19 vaccine is continuing its rollout, we're all holding out hopes of returning to sporting events, concerts and theatres sooner rather than later. With the goal of bringing back fans uh, to stadiums and arenas in the UK, organisations are investing in technology that is going to ensure that visitors have the confidence to do so. The innovation cycle is seeking everything from developments in mobile ticketing and clear and real-time information directly from teams and venues to ways in which toilet queues can be reduced. Given the uptake of these technologies, today we'll be talking to Don White, CEO of Satisfy Labs, and Charlie Greenwood, founder of Sportsloft, about how the industry has leaned on disruptive solutions for implementing a safer fan experience. Don and Charlie, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you. First things first, I think for the benefit of our listeners, if you could both perhaps give some background into Satisfy Labs and into Sportloft and and the partnership between the two. So perhaps, uh, Don, perhaps if you can go first. Sure. We're a conversational AI search company. So we enable the brand, in this case, the team, to communicate directly at a very deep level. So any question could be answered in real time and all the information could be digitally communicated via mobile, web, Facebook, even Apple Business Chat or voice products. So whereas a lot of people go to search engines to talk to their favorite team, we enable the team to have that technology to go direct to the fan. So for COVID, we're handling thousands of COVID questions a day with you know US leagues like the NFL and it's a pretty big game coming up this weekend. So we have a lot of insight of what people really care about going back into the stadium and the venue. Okay, and over to you, Charlie. Sure. So Sportsloft basically is set up to find and support the companies, the tech companies that we think are going to help shape the future of the sports media and entertainment industry. Uh, we see hundreds of companies uh, every year that we look at and we evaluate. And we basically work with the ones that we think are most exciting. And we'll help them in lots of ways, whether it's access to people in our network, whether it's investors, venture capital, people like that but also specifically within the uh, sports industry. So we only focus on the sports media and entertainment industry. And then we'll help them in terms of how they tell their stories through our events, our podcasts, our newsletters and things like that. And we've also started helping them to, in terms of team building. So how do they find really great people as well? So really, we want to see those companies achieve their potential and we'll do whatever we can to help them do so. Okay. Okay. And perhaps you could tell us a little bit about the the collaboration between Satisfy Labs and Sportsloft and how that came about and how you guys are working together? Yeah, I met Charlie in St. Louis. You can tell by his accent, he's probably not from there. But we met in St. Louis and, and we just discussed about, you know, how do American or US companies move into the UK? Like, how do you bring that local knowledge? How, you know, I always said, I, I've had global business experience. You don't want to be a, a US company with a US frame of mind coming into another, another continent. So Charlie set up Sportsloft as a way for companies to go global, go international quickly, bringing the, his local knowledge, local contacts, the relationships that he's already built, along with his insight into the industry and say, hey, here's what you could do to transport your technology and apply it to this group. And it's been just super helpful for us. I don't know how we would have expanded internationally without someone like Sportsloft. So super excited that that he exists and that we're able to take advantage of it. So we're always nice to exist. I think from our point of view, you know, we're always looking for really, really exciting companies. And when I first met Donny and his co-founders back probably four or five years ago, you know, within about 30 seconds of Donny pitching to me, I was like, yeah, I get it. 
I'd actually just recently, uh, just before that, been helping um, one of the agencies who work with O2 on their rugby sponsorship business. And I immediately saw the potential for this to be used in high profile sponsorships with major sports teams. And for me, it was kind of a no brainer. So when we then subsequently set up Sportsloft, probably about two or three years after I first met Donny, Donny was one of the first uh, phone calls that we made to say what we were doing. And uh, he got it quickly and was a big supporter. And I remember being sat in the office in New York and uh, he was like, yeah, this, this sounds great. So, uh, you know, it's been been fantastic working with them. Indeed, indeed. And as I said at the, the, the top of the, the podcast, we're all very excited by the by the prospect of, of returning to, to sporting venues. So can you guys perhaps discuss some of the innovations that are being developed and deployed uh, to make to make fans feel feel confident in, in actually doing that and, re- and returning to, to, to sporting venues? Yeah, I can speak to a couple of examples. It's it's really ironic when we say innovation, we assume that means it's being invented now. A lot of these technologies existed. They're just being applied now. So an example, like number one question or innovation, I guess you'd call it digital ticketing. Do you call that innovation? But it's by far and large what's attracting so many people to new, a new experience in, in a mobile app or a communication. Crowd intelligence is big now. I think that application, which you mentioned cues before, that's what it was applied for. Now it's about distancing and health and safety. And then the POS business has exploded. Mobile ordering was a nice to have for a small percentage of your seats. Now the fact that I can do commerce from my phone, either before the match, at the match, even on my way out of the match, those innovations are really coming out hot and heavy for you know, each and every deployment that we're seeing. And I, I think I'd, I'd build on that and say, you know, people talk about how much COVID has accelerated digital adoption and it's become a bit of a cliche, but the reality is it's true. You know, there is stuff now that is becoming, um, uh, you know, a, a must have that 12 months ago, people were like, oh, really? Will this ever really catch on? Now it's just beyond, it's gone past the debate. It's like, yeah, how do we actually implement that? And I think also what you're seeing, and I would, and I'm phrasing this a lot more from almost the buyers of the technology, so the teams, the leagues, stadiums, people like that, is you've seen a real um, uh, sort of divergence in the sort of their approaches. So the, the companies and organisations who were very forward thinking, very much on top of what's out there, that has become very, very powerful for them. But equally, those who weren't maybe as innovative and weren't as adoptive of new technologies, you don't kind of build that muscle memory overnight. You know, being good at innovation from a corporate perspective isn't something that you can just suddenly put put in there and hope it's suddenly going to flourish. So you've already seen those who are getting good at it before have been able to accelerate, I think, away from some of the others. Sure, sure. And as you say, COVID is, you know, vastly accelerated digital adoption but looking forward into a in a into a post-covid world if we if we can imagine that for a second what what do you guys see as the likely behavioral changes of spectators and 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 how are platforms adjusting to to provide a more personalized fan experience you know digital lends itself to a lot of personalization i think when when you think about something as simple as a paper ticket versus a digital ticket or once you start to collect data that has been opted in by the fan that's how personalized experiences are created so whether i'm watching the game from my home or whether i'm at the game this whole movement to either messaging or 
you know, any of these technologies actually allow that to happen. We want personalization, but we don't want to give anything up. So there's a trade-off, I think, now that, that we're moving into that. I see a lot of interest now. I just met with a company, international racing company, asking me how our technology could integrate into a goggle experience. They'd have some uh, super interesting AR experience that you could speak out loud and have statistics running in your goggles. So I think now that now that we've kind of pushed through the innovations of the last two years are now being applied in mass because of COVID. Now we're moving back into the AR world of, okay, so the future is AR again, once uh, we get there. We'll see, but I already see people trying to push the envelope looking out uh, two years. Well, I think the other bit on that is, I don't think there's gonna be a great problem um, in terms of getting people back into stadiums. I think the pent up demand is gonna be absolutely massive. You've already seen that with some events that went on sale at the end of last year for some of this coming year. You know, it was pretty hard to get tickets for some of those where you might have been previously thinking that you could get them quite easily. There's a lot of people who haven't been to a football match for a long time are going to be desperate to get back. Having said all of that, I think the experience when they go back will be different. I think there's a lot of technologies that will now be implemented that weren't necessarily being implemented before. And I think that that will come partly from their experience of going, but also from the management of the venue. So Donnie mentioned crowd management and more efficiency around that piece. I think the other part to look at is the experience that people are going to have at home. You know, all of a sudden people have been at home and teams have had to start thinking, well, it's not necessarily about the fans who are coming to our stadiums. It's about the fans who are sat at home watching this on TV because the sports have generally, in most cases, still been happening. So that has changed. And I think when you look at the work that Donny and team at Satisfy have done around things like Major League Baseball with the, the fans being at home, you know, that's the sort of stuff you think, well, actually, how can that be applied for when people come back into stadiums and all of a sudden there's a, still a massive audience of people who are at home who are going to be more engaged perhaps than they might have been previously, or indeed there'll be technologies that can get them more engaged as well. I think that at home piece is really interesting from a commercial standpoint because you just open up bigger audiences. You know, the reality is there's more people normally sat watching on TV than there are, at, you know, at Selhurst Park watching Crystal Palace. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So perhaps, I mean, you guys touched on it briefly there, but going into some of the future technologies that will, you know, set to revolutionise the, the, the fan experience, both at home and in the stadium, you know, we touched on AR and VR and voice technology, etc. So perhaps you can go into a little bit more detail about, about some of those future technologies and, and, and how they'll be, they'll evolve and be deployed. Yeah, the number one, I think, push now is the fan or customer needs information on demand at all times, whether it's you know, why am I waiting for the broadcaster to supply me with something that I am interested in now? And so a lot of the push there has been how could we make, you know, statistics or player information profile questions. And, you know, Charlie mentioned the MLB work that we did. That's like people are like, who's on second base? What's their average? Who's pitching tonight? Like they wanted that content. And then even like, well, what's this player's TikTok? Or, you know, how do I follow them on social media? So this depth of on demand, like, I'm at home, so I have a lot more I'm, I'm going to demand of my devices than I did before, will we'll carry. So think a revolution search for sure. I already mentioned the AR. I believe voice is going to be the biggest avenue of communication for fans that are at home, where you might have your Alexa, your Google Assistant device, or your TV itself will be talking back to you. And instead of your uh, favorite commentator, it will actually be a digital assistant that's been created to supply you your best experience possible, 
raise the volume. That's easy. But oh, by the way, how many uh, feet or meters did that midfielder run? You know, so far this game, like that's I think the future, and and we're not that far away. Yeah, I think the the other one you mentioned a couple of different sort of technologies. I think AI is going to move from this sort of nice buzzword around AI to actually okay, how is this brought into practice? So, you know, we work with a company around injury prevention on the performance side, but when you look at what uh, the team at Satisfy do in terms of AI, it's effectively processing at a scale that the human could never manage to go and do. And I think that's actually going to start to see that put into practice where it's of genuine benefit to people. So, you know, I think you'll start to see that people can find content more, more easily, content can be provided to them more, more quickly, personalization can be achieved in a much more effective way all because it's just an inability to compute at a much greater scale than, than was there before. I think the other one that will be really interesting is around AR. Um, again, if you look at most of the Im- implementations at the moment, they're kind of gimmicky. It's like, oh, wouldn't that be cool? It's not the sort of stuff that you're really going to use on a regular basis. But I think that's going to start to change. And I think especially if you start to see more mainstream products and glasses and eyewear coming into into the market and greater adoption, then you'll see more and more real life use cases. And once you start to get those real life use cases, then I think that's where it starts to get, you know, really interesting for organizations in the, in, say in the sports world, because you can look at it and go, okay, yeah, how could we use that with our fan base? How could we use that with our broadcast audience? Those sorts of things. Sure. Sure. If you like this podcast, then please check out Nothing About You Says Computer Technology, a podcast about cybersecurity and data privacy. Each week, the podcast breaks down the top tech news stories before taking a deep dive into the critical cybersecurity issue. The show is available on all streaming platforms and at nothingaboutyou.com. And moving forward, as the investment community starts to see the promise of innovation in sports and sporting venues and festivals, etc., where do you guys see the the, the money being spent going forward? Uh, Commerce. So how many different ways can you get someone to buy something? Whether And I'll tell you, one of the things that is really popular right now, particularly, is the virtual virtual performance as well as the physical one. So particularly in other industries, like you mentioned, music festivals. A lot of interest in music festivals potentially being virtual tickets as well as physical tickets so that maybe you don't live in a the city or you can't travel to like how could the concert come to you and then you'd pay a ticket for that and then there might be some additional tiers of experience that you can buy gotten a lot and and we're actually raising around right now but a lot of the questions or ideas coming from the potential investors are hey you know how are you adding the technology that you do in the physical to the virtual. And there's a whole roadmap for that. But I do see a lot of people saying, hey, we got to invest in how can people buy more uh, earlier, more often at the event? But could we also flip the events into virtual digital events and then monetize a whole new audience outside of who we would initially target? Obviously, to Charlie's point, all those people need information. So we're, we're happy about both. But I see a lot of money moving into that area uh, recently. I think from an investment point of view, there's a, a number of sort of trends that I think have been carrying on and have accelerated. I think one of them is a realization that technology in this space is an interesting and viable uh, investment proposition. It doesn't just have to be about pharmaceutical tech or fintech or something like that. I think a lot of what's happened in the last nine, 12 months 
has proven the value that sports media and entertainment provide generally within society and how people really want it and how they miss it. And I think that always, you know, proves that point for, for investors. I think also you start to see companies, you know, like Satisfy and, and others who are raising rounds, who are, have got genuine businesses there and people are like, okay, yeah, well, about this, this isn't just some kind of, oh, I'm a football fan, so I might stick a little bit of investment into it. These are genuine investment uh, propositions. And I think that's really important as a maturing asset class effectively. The other one I think is that the company, so the investment funds that are out there, yes, naturally are getting more and more picky in sort of investments that they're making you know it's not an environment for to be throwing stuff after you know crazy ideas so so much and therefore the ones that are getting invested in are the ones that are, are really good and so the winners i think are coming through more strongly as well mm-hmm. and i think that's going to be really important because i think you'll see the really good companies galvanizing more and more investment around them as a result sure sure and looking at the sports themselves, how are they bridging the, the, the digital transformation to entertainment? I think it really, it starts with information requirement. Like digital transformation is just all about how do I change the methodology of which now I engage with this brand. So while we're at home, to Charlie's point, there's no other way for me to engage. Like I don't have a physical engagement. I have to have a digital engagement. So the forced upon, well, if you want to connect with us, and I, I use TikTok a lot because that, that's been some evolution of, of uh, a new way to, to communicate with your fan base. So now that, now that information has become a higher level requirement, now that I have no other physical way to do it, I've gone digital. So what the, I think sports doing a good job of is they're providing more and more content, more and more avenues of digital pathways to increase my engagement. So when the physical comes back, I just have digital plus physical, like one plus one equals three. So I think sports have done a great job of taking content and horizontally applying it to all the new channels that are available. And the fan base who is now limited in their engagement opportunities have invested back. And so now we are, I think we are transformed. If I were to be honest, I don't know what's next, but I don't know how much more digital we can get after 2021. Yeah. I think, I mean, if you're a football club, you know, you're not going to get the opportunity to engage with a fan on a Saturday afternoon when they come because nobody's coming. It's the only way you can engage with the fans now is through digital channels. And so what you've seen is uh, people who maybe might have been spending 10% of their budget on uh, digital uh, engagement now are spending 30% of the budget because they're like, well, that's how we got to engage. The sponsors have no other way to activate their sponsorships and engage with fans apart from through digital channels and and content. So when sports organisations in the last few years have been told, oh, you've got to think more and more like a media company, I think a lot of them were like, yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. But now it's like we've got no choice but to think like a media company because we've got to be creating content and then we've got to be engaging with our fans and how are we supplying them with the information and the content that they are hungry for. So the hunger hasn't changed. But I think the way that you know sports organisations are having to interact and feed that hunger, you know, that is digital, and will only continue to get more and more digital. I don't think there's a way where it's sitting up. Oh, let's go back to how it was eighteen months ago. That's not happening. Sure. Yeah. Does it? Does the attitude between different sports change at all with with regard to the outlook towards that digital transformation? Are some sports a lot more kind of embracing of embracing of digital change than others? I think it's teams not sports. I think you find that there are certain 
you know, you have like your large market, middle market and small market teams. And I think you're actually finding the small market teams are jumping the furthest because at, at some point the, the local fan base was so strong. So I, we work with every major league uh, there is, and I haven't seen league by league, but there are certain soccer clubs that operate very differently than others. And there's some NFL, some MLB. So I think team by team, you're seeing the jumps. I, I have not seen a difference in leagues personally. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, budget helps, right? If you're the size of Liverpool or Man City and you've got a bigger budget, both on and off the pitch, it enables you to go and be more innovative and to try things. And if it didn't work, don't worry too much about it. But actually, I think what's more important than budget is mindset. And so you see the teams and indeed the, the executives at those different teams, which ones have a more innovative mindset, which ones want to take a risk and try stuff. And I think that's probably as big a driving factor as any. And there is an element to which actually the budget argument, it can be entirely flipped on its head. If you don't have that budget, you've got to find ways to you know, really drive the value that you're getting and the engagement that you're getting. And there is so much that you can do through digital channels. Often that's comparatively low costs to what you might have been doing before. I, I was on a call with uh, some of Donnie's colleagues earlier today and they were talking about you know, the effective cost of putting in Satisfy was the equivalent of a number of full-time heads that the organization had and it had to cut. So actually you think, well, you can go and do this, but at a much lower cost. So, you know, there's lots of examples of how I think people can use their budget and drive that budget really, really hard by a greater adoption of digital. Indeed, indeed. And, and going back to, to, to COVID for a second, how has that impacted what you guys are doing and how you're doing it? Because obviously on, on one side, you know, obviously sporting venues have, have been sat empty and, and sporting events have been taking place behind, behind closed doors. But on the flip side of it, COVID is... Is, has kind of accelerated that digital transformation. So, so how has that impacted what you guys are doing? Is it, is it something of a double-edged sword or what's your view of it? We, uh, the, the AI machines had to learn 50% new content, new queries than last year. So it immediately went from, you know, hey, where's my favorite beer to like, hey, how, do I have to wear a mask and can I ever take it off? And then it went from, well, hey, you know, where should I park or where's the nearest pub to, hey, how do I get my tickets uh, set up correctly to, to come to the event? The statistics, scheduling, scores, standings, all of that content we added in so that now the fan could, could handle it. So it was, like you said, blessing and a curse. It was wait. So all the training, all of what we've learned about people, fans, what they want to do at sports events is basically gone for a period of time, but yes, the machines could learn. I think it opened up bigger opportunities for us because now it's more comprehensive. So like it's one plus one equals three, again, for us, we're really focused on, like I said, the voice market, because if you just think about your device in your home, I'm sure something's listening to you right now, your frustration with that not having the answer is really something everybody remembers. So we see this as just, it accelerated and doubled our knowledge base. Our usage is up 5X this year without people in events because people actually need to know more things about their brands, including the number one question, which is, when can I come back? <laughs> and uh, even in the events that have returned, I can tell you two thirds of the questions about return to events is about ticketing, less than 20% even about health and safety. So what Charlie said is right. 
pent up demand is there. I think I don't think venues and teams realize how little they need to do to get fans back. I don't think there's a lack of confidence with one population. It's just a I trust my team. If I have information, I'm in. That's why, you know, I'm very bullish on the return of sports because I see the data and the data is people just dying to get in. Yeah, I think the you know, I think there's been a lot of changes that the companies that we work with, Sports Loft. So we work with 11 uh, different companies, including the guys that satisfy. And every single one of them back in March or April, there was a lot of, what do we do now? What does this mean? How does this work? If you take somebody like Donny, you know, they've effectively gone from a product that was traditionally focused around a physical location, but now they've effectively got a product that will also serve uh, people uh, who are sat at home. So They've, they've doubled the product offering effectively would they necessarily have done that if it had if covid hadn't come along hmm, debatable but you know certainly what we've ended up with is probably stronger companies as a result with broader product offering serving greater audiences so that's certainly been a noticeable impact that i think covid's had the other one is you know from us as sports like where we're working across investors and industry people and obviously with the with the startups in mid to late March when everything kind of went horribly pear-shaped and it felt as if the world was going to stop spinning you know the yes everything was really hard you know getting people to pick up the phones was really really hard then you got to about June July and it went crazy because everybody wanted to know about what the new technologies were that are out there and that hasn't stopped and actually it's getting more and more and I think the demand for insight into those technologies has accelerated as well so, you know, we're, we're kind of running at 100 miles an hour, almost trying to keep up with ourselves um, on that. And a lot of that has been driven by the digital transformation and the adoption that these organisations know that they've got to do. Sure, sure. And I think what might be quite useful to our, to our listeners, if, are you able to cite any, any particular use cases of some of the teams that you've been, that you've been working with and, and do work with and, and what, you've, what you've been actually doing with them? Yeah, because of the you know, relevancy of, of some of the American sport, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So they have a pretty big game coming up this weekend. Uh, average game day, 2000 questions uh, were answered. So they, they calculated it at first, just in the number of staff hours saved, 1500 staff hours saved. So think about the, you know, the initial, like, how do you help sport return? Well, unfortunately, there's been a lot of staff reductions. So how do you manage that in the pure cost standpoint? So the, the questions did vary though. They came, I actually did a quick study of this before uh, I came on. It was everything, mostly ticketing again, heavily, heavily. And then it got into the safety and then the food options and then what's available and cashless entry is some cashless require commerce is something that people are still getting their heads around. Like, so how do you, you know, pay with your, your mobile device? So coming into this weekend where we're anticipating 60,000 or so questions probably will be uh, answered. And just taking a look at some of the insights already, it's again, heavily on the ticketing side, then health and safety second, food, amenity stuff third. But it is fun to see the volume because now that people want to get the information on demand, it's about 200 intense wide, which means it's about 12,000 variations of questions that have already come in. So a lot of people want to know a lot of different things, even though categorically they, they match up. 
I think from from our point of view, obviously we're working with lots of different um, tech companies in their sort of relationships into into sport. But one of the great things is actually seeing those sort of use cases. So you know, where Donny talks about you know working with like NFL teams, but equally you know the the clients that they've now got in the Premier League, we've got um, other companies you know like Slate, which is a content creation um, capability who have been growing like crazy in the NFL and now um, again coming into the, into the UK. There's other organizations, you know, we've got um, one called Covatic who have just been working with Comcast on the Accelerator program. There's lots and lots of those. And for us, it's actually just this amazing feeling of pride that we have on, and I specifically have when we see a company that we've been working with get investment, get a new contract, really open somebody's eyes as to what they could do with the technology. And especially if we're, set a call up for somebody to go and do that and you can just see the people on the other side go whoa that's really cool uh, and that's just such a nice feeling and i you know the more we get that then that's just that's just great absolutely yeah yeah and just to finish off as well with the view to to, to actually getting fans back in, into venues are you guys working to a, any particular roadmap as to, i know it's a very fluid situation and changes almost daily but are you guys working to a to a particular roadmap in terms of when that might happen i mean i, I listened to some of the language coming out of the um the powers that be for the, the tokyo olympics today and they're they're you know very bullish about that going ahead as planned at the end of the year so are you guys working to any particular roadmap as to when you think fans might be back in the uk i don't have a good answer for you in sport i in the u.s i do like in the u.s it's state by state which is a very unique thing for us because it means that in the same sport one team is preparing and one team is is not like if you're in california you're in a different situation than if you're in florida so we have a roadmap ready for the minute that someone is ready to go we actually have data which would be customized for what we're seeing in the uk with the early client that that Charlie mentioned. So we have something ready to go that would accelerate someone's reopening practice just because we have seen a number of them already and the data just keeps getting better. I wish I had better insight into the UK and we've also had our ear to the ground with the IOC. So it's just tough. But as soon as they flip that switch, man, our systems are primmed up and, and ready to shoot. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at most of the sports organisations, they've started to get very adept at how they were doing things when they started being able to have very limited numbers of people back into the stands. You know, they've got the plans in place. It's just a question of actually being able to go and do it. You know, I'm a parent of uh, two young boys and we're homeschooling at the moment. And so every, every date of when the schools can go back, but they seem to come up with about five different dates within a 24-hour period. So I think uh, everybody's kind of like, yeah, it will happen when it happens, but equally, you know, the, the teams are putting in place the right plans to go and do it. It's just when they get the opportunity to go and do it. Indeed, indeed. Well, chaps, that's about all we've got time for, but absolutely fascinating topic, particularly in, in light of, you know, current current events that are going on. But thank you, Don. Thank you, Charlie, for taking the, the time to speak to us. That's, that's fantastic. Thanks very much. Thank you. Best of luck. No worries, and thanks for having us. Electronic Specifier.